Hey, welcome to the podcast, Live Transformed. This is episode number 223, and um, we're so thankful you've joined us. Yes, we and, are. And, and, and us being today, Jim and I, and Bob is doing great, but he's not with us today. I mean, he's with us on earth, but... <laughs> Well, you know, that, that, makes, that makes me think of the time that we were all traveling together and I had that heart explosion. Oh, yes, I remember that. So, so, so I'm, in, I'm in the hospital, you know, and, and uh, it, it was pretty, it, it was an unpleasant experience. I had to stop my heart. I could not get it to slow down. And so I was, we were there for a few hours. So Bob and David were with me. And, and so, I was, I was literally glued to my phone. Just, well, I, you had been, you had been rushed to the hospital. Yeah. But you, oh. you had to take care of the business of stuff because we were. I know. We were I had in to go Canada. do that thing. Yeah. Yes. And so she called Bob to check in to see how it was going. And Bob said, Jim's fine. He's with Jesus. No, no, no. He said, Yeah, that's right. He's with Jesus. Bob's. I said, Because I said, How's Jim? How's Jim? He goes, Well, well, Jim's with Jesus. And I went, <laughs> I'm like, I just will never forget that. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was so rude. So uh, yeah, that that was rude, wasn't it? So yes. so we're with Jesus today. Bob's yes. with Jesus John's today. With and Jesus we're with Jesus, well. but but we ain't dead yet. <laughs> yep. My, yep. my, my husband's being a mistake. And Jim, I didn't tell you this. Today is our wedding anniversary, me and Bob. Are you serious? Yeah. Today is our day. June, June and um, da, 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 37 years. I just had to do the quick math. 37, 37 years of marriage. Years. Yep. Yep. Incredible. And, and my dad had a bit of an SOS. He got himself in a jam. And Bob says, you know what? You're going to have to do it with Jim. He was sad. Like, you're going to have to. Yeah. Oh, so, so sad. I have to, you know, I love doing these podcasts. Well, this is our time for the three of us to always get yeah. to hang out. And we always exactly. get, we always take time before, between, yeah. and after to visit a little bit. So, so mm-hmm. yeah, it, it ain't, it's not right with Bob not being here. But we I will know. do the job as good yeah. as we can. Yeah. Yes, we hope we will still have fun. So I'm glad you guys are with us. Yes. And especially with this, with this subject today is so close to my heart because, you know, with all the sessions I do with people, you know, working through and recreating and reshaping our life through our memories where yeah. all our beliefs happen, where all seeds of disappointment take place and, and abuse even. And, and to see what Jesus can do to heal broken hearts, Jim, yeah. seriously, it's like I fall in love with Jesus every time, I, oh, yeah. even deeper. Like when I see someone experiencing healing and experiencing Jesus in, in, a, in an extremely hard moment, um, it's, it's just incredible. It just, Jesus is amazing. So I really yeah. believe that as, as a result of the podcast today, you're really going to, this is going to impact your life. This yep. is a big one today. Well, well, it is if you put it into practice. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> yeah. That's, kind of the, that's kind of the stipulation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't know if we talked about this in our last program because I've spoken so many different times since then yeah. in different environments. But, uh, you know, I, I want to say this about putting things into practice. Okay. You know, we, we, we understand the concept of how things that have happened in our past, we understand that those things, if we don't work them out, they're, they're still affecting us. Yeah. And, and so really they become, a, you know, baggage, you know, what we mm-hmm. normally would call mm-hmm. baggage that we're just dragging through life. One of, the, one of the examples that I've always used, you know, about baggage would be like a guy that's on the Titanic and he's, and he's got a suitcase full of gold. And oh, so okay. the, the ship is sinking and uh, he, you know, he decides that he's going to 
grab that suitcase full of gold and jump overboard and swim to a lifeboat. Well, the problem is, you know, this baggage that he is carrying is drowning him. And Whoa. no matter how valuable it would have mm. been or could have been mm. in life, it is totally, uh, not only is it not valuable, but it's destructive and will destroy you because it never was used for anything. You just carried it around, you know, never spending it, never putting it to any good practice or any good value. So basically this thing, that this stuff you've been hauling around all over your life, when your mm -hmm. back is against the wall, this all this unresolved past is really going to be the stuff that kills you. It's going to be the stuff that makes you freak out, panic, not trust God. But uh, here's an here's an interesting dynamic that uh, I have observed in personal practice, personal ministry, and that is that that anything that you do not learn, anything you learn but you do not put in practice, actually becomes baggage. Whoa! See now that's trippy because that takes it to the next level. Because you oh, yeah. can just you can learn something and not use it. And yep. just think, oh, well, that's okay. I'll just let it go in one ear and out the other. But what you're saying through that is more like, but wait a minute, because you've heard it. Are you saying, okay, let me just make sure I heard you right. So does that mean that because you heard it, now you're kind of responsible for it? Well, remember, we have talked about um, the fact that, hold on a minute, I'm, I'm typing in something. Okay. We yeah. have talked about the fact that um, one of the Greek words for sin uh, is the word uh, means to hear amiss. Yes. So anything that God speaks to us uh, for, you know, for our good yeah. actually becomes sin if we don't put it into practice. That is, it's kind of like crazy talk because I don't think anyone thinks like that. No, no nobody does. And, and you so, don't want to get into condemnation and start no. going nuts with it, but but it gives you some honor for what you've been heard. Like it makes you want to honor and respect what's going on. Yeah, I, absolutely. And there's a lot of ways to hear a miss. You know, to hear a miss can mean to to not pay attention to start with. It can mean to hear something, but but not develop it in your heart, not take hold of it in your heart. Uh, uh, it means to uh, hear and forget. It means to, I mean, it, it, it's, it, it gets down to any time God gives us what we need. He gives us solutions, uh, gives us leadership, yes, and, and we yes. do nothing with it. So really right. what, what we're really saying to God is, I have no value for your word. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, your, right. Leader, your leadership isn't as important as my leadership. So, right. I'm, so I'm just going to do what I want to do, and I'm not really going to pay attention to you. Yeah. But now keep in mind, don't think of sin the way you normally think of sin, because sin, remember, is not just that you're doing something bad. And that's, yes, that's it's the not way like a moral, moral bad yeah. choice, right? But sin is any belief or action uh, that, that we involve ourselves in that is less than what God has given us in Jesus. So when Jesus comes, he pays this incredible price to deliver us from sin and death. Mm -hmm. Remember, sin and death always go hand in hand. Yeah. And, so, and so based on Paul's definition of sin, you know, Paul says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we look at that and go, and go okay, everybody has fallen short. But we leave out the fact, no, no, no. Fallen short would say, this is, this is talking about what's wrong with you. 
But no, you got to read the whole sentence, falling short of the glory of God. So the glory of God, the view, the opinion, the reality of God, mm -hmm. that's what you've fallen short of. It's not that mm -hmm. you did something wrong. It's what you missed out on. Hmm. It's, it's a quality of life that you ignored or you, right. you overlooked or you didn't care about or you thought you could get a better quality of life going out and doing, you know, whatever it is that, that you wanted to do. So sin always causes you to minimize your sense of self, to okay. minimize your sense of God, and to only be able to reach minimal aspects of what God has given for you in Jesus. It's not, it doesn't mean you, know, you don't reach any of these aspects. I think it also minimizes your sense of choice. Oh, yeah. Because all of a sudden, you you actually, I think anytime you let life happen and live by default and just just think, I don't have a choice, I think that is a definite amiss. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, one of the things I've always told people is this. You know, I, man, I have spent a lot of my life negotiating. Uh -huh. Because because you know I've been I've been consulting for businesses I, so I've gone in and done negotiations you know between managers and and and, and middle managers you know and customers and da, da 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 and so so you know one of the things and I believe this with all my heart you know church or religion has made us believe that the that the will of God is this thing that is so narrow it it, it would be, be sort of like when the Apollo when the Apollo uh, moonshot lost its ability to have radar and all this kind of stuff, and they were describing, they were going to do this manually. They were, you know, the computer would not get them home, and so, and so in the movie, and, and I, had, I remember hearing this actually on the news back uh -huh. when I was a kid uh, when this when this happened, but they were saying. They were saying, you know, I don't even remember how many hundreds of thousands of miles, you know, of a window that they had. But but in order to get through this and not hit it too hard and cause it to blow up right then yeah. or hit it and, and skid uh, into outer space, it said that uh -huh. they had a window out of two, you know, few, however many hundreds of thousands of miles. And that window would be as wide comparatively as a sheet of paper. Are you serious? I'm serious. And they had to navigate by hand. You know, I think about that and I think, we couldn't have astronauts today because, <laughs> uh, you know, because, uh, you know, the socialists are dummying everybody down. They want everybody to be stupid. You know, kids carry calculators to school. Why? Because they don't want them to learn. And, are and, you okay? Are you talking about that movie Hidden Figures when they when? No, I'm talking. Okay. Well, I, Hidden Figures might have gotten into that. I can't remember. But okay. I, I was Apollo, whatever Apollo 13 or whatever. Oh, Tom, Tom okay. Hanks was in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, I was in a different movie. <laughs> no, that's you? right. That's right. But um, but see, that's kind of how we see the will of God. Yeah. We think that the will of yes, God is, yes, is exactly. having out of out of a. Two hundred and yeah. something thousand miles. Yeah. We've yeah. got to find this <laughs> oh this God. opening that's only as you know as thick as a sheet of paper, or else we're going to miss the will of God. We have made the will of God the hardest thing in the world to absolutely oh, find. My God. one of my favorite scriptures when it comes to the will of God, I think, is in First Thessalonians five, yep. and it says, "And always be thankful because this is God's will for you." I was yep. like, "There's a point." Just you know, what I'm saying because yep. that just opens up new possibilities, but. When people talk about, I don't know my purpose for life. I don't know what to do. Am I missing God's will? Am I missing my calling? I can tell you why they feel that way and why they don't find their answer. It's real simple. Please. You know, God 
defined the journey that everybody, every but new believer is supposed to make. The journey yeah. is supposed to be is supposed to be to uh, pursue the kingdom of God, enter in the kingdom of God, have a quality of life where you are living at peace and you're not distracted by everything else, and then then you use your influence to bring other people in that. That, that is the will of God for everybody. <laughs> I love that. And, and the, the Bible's clear about it. Yeah. My son Christopher and I were just saying that last night. He yeah. goes, I hang out with these people and they're just obsessed because they want to help people. And yet they're obsessed with helping people and then they end up not helping people. Yep. And he says, and I find that when I'm, you know, really finding peace like yep. never before, I'm naturally just helping oh, yeah. people, you know? like Absolutely. So, you, but the thing is, ha, there is a principle in the Hebrew language, uh-huh. you know, uh, we've talked about it a lot, the closed mem and the open mem. Yeah, right. And so the open mem is the revealed knowledge of God that God shows to everybody. So, so through the word of God, everybody should know. Our, uh, if, you're, if you read the Bible and pay any attention to what you're reading, you figure out that Israel, the Israelites coming out of Egypt and making the journey to the promised land, crossing the, uh, 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 the Jordan River and going in the promised land, that this is the model. And Paul even says, every bit of this, the only reason that any of this was written down, Paul says, was for our benefits. You know, uh, and that's, uh, that's 1 Corinthians 10, I think it is, where he talks about that. And so... So here's the thing, the, the, the open mem, which, which says everybody know, can know this. This is, mm-hmm. this is, is written, is, you know, is, is out there. But the closed mem, which is where it gets into God intimately and personally speaking to you mm-hmm. and leading you, you, how do you think you, and remember also the Hebrew language points out that you will not hear what you will not obey. So I'm not even willing to read, you know, the written word of God. I'm not willing to invest in my life. I, you know, I want some preacher to do it for me. I want somebody else to tell me the answers because I'm really, I'm not really looking to live kingdom living. I'm really not looking to be an influence. All I'm looking for is how can I make it through life and get the most, get the most stuff and, and let try to make, get that stuff to make me happy. Well, so let me ask you this. If you reject something that God has preserved for thousands of years and that you can walk into any store in America almost and buy, and it's called the Bible, and you take it home and you don't prayerfully read it and seek God, let me ask you mm-hmm. this. How can God tell you anything? Because mm-hmm. everything God's going to try to tell you is going to be based on that word. Even the Holy Spirit is not going to come and tell you something new. No. He's going to bring to your memory the mm-hmm. things that Jesus said. Right. But, but if you never heard them, if you never read them, you don't know what Jesus said. Right. So you, you don't right. know. If that's not in you, if that's yep. not alive and working, and it's always the word of God and, and his truth and his promises, I feel like it's always working. It's always flowing through all the time, every minute, even when we're not thinking about it. But if it's not in there, we can't yep. tap into it. We're not connected right. with it. So... People who pursue the general will of God, which is the call mm-hmm. of God for everybody. Right. That person will, on that journey, they will discover their part to contribute. Yeah, now, I love that. 
sadly, most people are more interested in what makes them unique and anointed and above everybody right. else. They're not yes. really interested in, in God, what God says everybody's will is. Oh, no, I won't know my gifting. I won't know my anointing. I won't know my call. Mm -hmm. so, so basically, so many people go into ministry and it's an ego-driven you know, self-fulfillment has nothing to do with serving people. It has nothing to do with the bigger picture of, of the Word of God. So they just absolutely never, never, never figure it out. So that's another part of hearing a miss. You got a Bible, you won't read yeah. it. But not our people, not our listeners. No, you guys, right. you guys that are listening, I'm telling you, the scoop is when you talk about the open mim and the closed mim, Jim, that's us. We get to have both. We yep. get to have this open mim where we are, we have this incredible access to the word of God and we get to read yep. it. Last last week on the podcast, Jim, you really inspired all of us to read read the word more and more with yep. him, along with him. Just last night I had a session with someone and I said, um, when you go to read, why don't you read with the Holy Spirit sitting beside you? Like just, yeah. I know the Holy Spirit is in you, but he's also around you and yeah. he's like, he's everywhere, you know? And, and she just started laughing. She goes, I'm going to do that tomorrow. I'm going to sit with him and read together. Mm. I said, exactly. If like, there's just so many, uh, like there's limitless creative yeah. possibilities of how you can experience yeah. God. That's yours. I, I can give you some, I don't even want to tell you how I do it because I want you to do it yeah. your way, but I want you to say there are unlimited ways yeah. to, to make it real for you and make it personal. Oh, I, absolutely. You know, for nearly 50 years, I have never picked up my Bible right. without two things happening. Number one, without me acknowledging, I want you to speak to me. I want you to yeah. show me what I need yeah. to see and hear today. Yeah. And, and then the second thing is that he always speaks to me. Always. I mean, it, there have been times when I've been in sin. There's been times when I've been angry. There's been times when I've been, you know, being selfish. And, 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 and you know, I would just wouldn't pick up my Bible because I knew God was going to speak to me if I read it. <laughs> <laughs> Jim, that is called sinning. Uh, that, <laughs> now, absolutely. Now I know. Now I know. Absolutely. So anyhow, <laughs> okay. you, you know, so you go back to this, go back to this concept. Right. So, so you know, there, I don't even remember, I think it's either Isaiah or Jeremiah, I think. No, it may not be. You know, where, where the Bible talks about uh the Israelites becoming, I think it says that they're fat with knowledge. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, uh, and so if you're fat with knowledge, then that means that that knowledge is actually weighing you down. It, yeah, it's not serving you well. Right. And you think of how much knowledge in our pr present day society that we get to have. Oh, yeah. It's like, it, it's just, it's all, all it's doing is weighing everybody down. Yeah. So, so true. So anyhow, so, so that, that's that whole concept of the fact mm -hmm. that anything that we hear or read or learn that we do not put into practice, it becomes it becomes more weight in that chest full of gold that we never yes exactly that we never spend on mm -hmm. anybody else or never right. do anything to help the world. Therefore, mm -hmm. we drown in the knowledge because remember the mind. You know, I say this probably every week, the mind always seeks to preserve your ego by mm -hmm. proving that you're right. Yeah. The heart always seeks to preserve your identity. Yeah. And so, so when you're gathering knowledge that you never put into practice, the only way that you, that your mind can protect your ego is by saying, 
you tried it and it didn't work. And, uh, you know, when I, when I was a, a pastor, you know, I had one, I had one day a week set aside for counseling and I would, you know, that would be my, that'd be my day. And unless mm-hmm. it was really an emergency, you're going to have yeah. to come that day. And my thing, by the way, for doing that was if this is not important enough for you to take time off of work, come down here, mm-hmm. right. then, it, then it's not very important and you're not going to right. do it. Right. So, so I had one day and, you know, I would, I'd work late on that day because I know a lot of people just couldn't get off of work. So I'd mm-hmm. work late. But, you know, one of my requirements in counseling was this. I'm going to give you homework every week. The first time you show up without doing that homework, I'm done with yeah. you. I, I will not yeah. see you again. Yeah. And people would say, well, man, that's mighty hard. It's like, no, because what's going to happen, uh, you know, 50 years, you learn a few things. What's going to happen is... If you don't put this into practice, the only way you can feel right about yourself is you will alter your memories, mm-hmm. you know, a year from now or six months from now or whatever, and you will convince yourself that you tried this and it didn't work. And so right. it will destroy your faith and your confidence and your hope in God. You said alter your memories. Tell me more about that. Well, <clears throat> So, you know, the first thing, the first thing that we, that we want to realize is that memories, uh, for most people, become the basis of their identity. Okay. So when, I, when we come to Jesus, our sense of self is basically the sum total of all of our memories. Okay. And, and how we've judged those memories, what those memories say about us, what those memories. And so and so what people are really fighting with is not what other people have done to you. It's your memories of what other people have done. Yeah. To you. Last week, um, you really helped me with something, Jim, with a definition, because I love definitions and I love you helping me with definitions. But I um, you said a memory is something that happens in the past Imagination is something that'll happen in the future, yep. but meditation is when we make it real now yep. and think about it until it connects to us emotionally, yep. because then we have made that memory present tense and we've also brought joy. Yep. It's like we've reshaped our memories like so that we can only see and experience ourselves as, yep. as taken care of, protected, full of joy, full of peace. And it's a phenomenal thing to me that we can take the future and bring it into the present. Yes. You know, most people don't even, it never crosses their mind. You know, we'll take the past and bring it into the present and relive it and torment ourselves. Yeah. yeah. But, but we never think, oh, well, wait a minute. If I have these promises of God, that's the future. I could take that and bring it in. Isn't this? Well, I just had this thought this morning again. I, I mean, it's, it's early in the morning. I've had so many thoughts. Imagine that. <laughs> but I was thinking of our life as a span. Like yep. you can look at the whole lifetime, my particular, however many years it's going to be on earth. That's just a span. You know what I'm saying? Instead of seeing it as right this minute, I saw it as a whole thing. And that you can visit any parts of yep. those if, and I and I realize now you can visit the future too and see this is sure. me full of peace. I can't I can't control the people around me and their responses, but this is me full of peace, and I'm going to have yeah. that and all the promises of God that God promises are mine. But yeah. the more that I um, have done heart work, and the more the more years that go by, Jim, it's really wild. But I really am starting to remember so much. Like just this morning, I went to get something out of the fridge, and I had a memory of the exact label of the raspberry jam yeah. tin that I used to use when I was ten years old. Mm-hmm. And I started to remember that jam, and uh, just because I was making toast. Yeah. And I thought, why do I remember more now 
than I ever have in my life. It's like my past is becoming this movie that I just I, I just know it better oh. because I'm so healed. I think that I'm just there. I can just visit it or something. Well, I don't know. You know, when we're when we're meditating, we are using our authority uh-huh. to tell our brain to remember things. Okay. And so actually we're creating, it actually changes the neural pathways in, in your brain. You know, uh, I, I, have wor- I have worked with people where, and their doctors cannot figure it out, where they created n- new neural pathways from doing heart work. Okay, can you say it again? When, when we're meditating, we are telling our brain what? We're using our authority. So using our yes, so using our authority. So we're telling our brain to that we want to remember certain things. Well, in order to remember ah, those things, your okay. brain has to create neural pathways. And in, in other words, they have to link. They have know, to the, create new links, yeah. almost. Yeah. And yeah. so, and so, as we start creating these new neural pathways, then all kinds of stuff in us changes, in. Because once we've remembered it, now we can access it again because we created a neural pathway to it. We can access it again any time we want to. We can re-experience wow. that feeling anytime we want to now. And we, and we don't even have to do deep meditation, you know, to no. get to it. Well, I mean, and, and it was such a, an enjoyable, it was a very yeah. um, enjoying moment. Like I, I remembered the pancakes my dad made and then I put mm-hmm. this raspberry jam, like all these you know, fun memories of my past. Just I got to enjoy the feeling of that, even though it happened yep. 40 years ago. I could enjoy the feeling of that and smile and think of my dad and think mm-hmm. of, you know, it was just really interesting that we get to have, I think that we're so born to, like God made us so intricately to enjoy our past yep. so that we can oh, think absolutely. back of memories and yeah. enjoy them and have the feeling as if it, they were having them all over again. Yeah, and also not not only so that we can enjoy the good parts of our past, but so we can actually deal with the painful yes, parts of our right. past. Right, and so for the last few episodes, yeah. we've been we've been ready to just go even deeper yeah. into that. So, so you know, so so you know, every, almost everybody kind of gets the idea of yeah. meditation and and meditation. You know, we've talked about this how the the, the simplest conceptual. Uh, definition of meditation is when you think or ponder or imagine something until you start experiencing it as being real in this mm-hmm. moment and right. your emotions align with that reality. Yes. Now, the moment your emotions re- align with that reality, you actually began the process of physiological change. Really? Oh, absolutely. You know, the greatest scientist in the world, um, you know, over time came to realize, I think Pastor said it on his deathbed. He said, uh, how did he say it? He, he said, you know, a virus, I may be remembering this, yeah. not exactly. A virus, you know, a virus is nothing. Environment is everything. And so, wow. and so Pastor and, and a lot of the early drug companies, they actually picked the medical definitions that would make it profitable to them. And so they did not want the concept of the fact of our health being all about environment, emotional environment, you know, work environment, physical environment. They didn't want that. They did not want you to know. They wanted you to believe that you had to buy something from them because, you know, because nature didn't really work. 
you know, they didn't believe in God. God didn't create you to be well or any of that kind of stuff. And so, and so Pasteur, you know, of course, Pasteur, according to many people, actually did not really come up with the whole penicillin thing. It was actually somebody else. He stole the whole process. He, it, it was, uh, 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 it was, uh, like, you know, like, like for instance, there's a great debate about who created the telephone. There's a great debate about who flew the first airplane. You know, there's a lot of debate. And so a lot of times people would, back in those days, would grab somebody else's research and discovery and then run ahead of, you know, they were better promoters and they would run ahead of them and promote themselves. And then they would get all the fame and all the money. Well, on his deathbed, he admitted that he, that he did not actually do that work. It was, that it was, it was actually... Uh, work that he had stolen from other people, but he also made that statement about the environment being everything. So, for you know, when you start creating an environment for emotional healing, for physical healing, you know, and you say, well, how do you do that? Well, that's what meditation does. Meditation is where you can create any kind of environment, make it look like anything you want to look like, make it feel like anything you want want it to feel like. And so suddenly now, now you are, you are experiencing what it would have been like if you're meditating on the Word of God. You'll discover what it would have looked like and felt like to grow up in a home where there was always peace, where you never had to be afraid, where you always knew that God was with you. Now, you, you, you know, technically you're not changing your past. Yeah, no, you're not. Of course not. You are, you're changing how you experience your past, your creative your, new your inter- And your interpretation and yeah. your definition, and your, your, you're almost removing your judgment oh. from it, and you're, 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 you're actually making a decision, and you said the word authority to decide this is who I am there. Yeah. Even you can't Because you can't change the facts of what your environment looked no. like. No, but you can change your experience of it. Yes. And, and of course, you know, for those of you who have read my book, How to Stop the Pain, you know, I talk about this. Until you let go of your judgments about the past, right? you cannot get over the pain. And your judgment is, yeah. why did this happen to me? Yeah. And and so, you know, you come at these judgments. Uh, or what it says about me. Yeah, what does my it say judgment, about me? Because yeah. this happened, this is what it says about me, and this yeah. is what it says about life. This is what well, it said. you know. Why... When you, whatever de- reason you give to why did this happen yeah, yeah. is actually defines what does it say about me? Yes, yes. That's, that's where that's the, it. You know, that's, that's, where the ident- that's where the identity changes because if this is why this happened, yep. because I wasn't wanted, because I wasn't that's loved, right. all those, if that's why that happened, so now uh, I start coming up with these definitions of what this mm-hmm. means about me. Yep. And, and it I'll becomes you, the story of your life. Yeah, it, it so, becomes becomes your belief system. Yeah, and you got to let that you got to let that stuff go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now we've all got memories, mm-hmm. and 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 I, you know, I'll, I'll never forget this. You know, when I when I was uh, uh, just before I turned thirty, I actually left the pastorate for a while. I was actually I was sick of it. If you're know the truth, I was I was sick of whining, codependent people. I was sick of people blaming everybody else. I was sick of people making something so simple so hard. And so I started I started recognizing I'm kind of getting a bad attitude here. I don't I probably don't need to be doing this for a while. <laughs> and so you know I didn't go back out and go to bars and I didn't go out and run crazy and all that kind of stuff. And and you know and I kept winning people to Jesus and ministering to people, but I just didn't want to do it as a pastor. It just I was I was done with all that, and so uh, <clears throat> uh, 
I started having this realization, you know, people, I'd have people come in and, you know, and, and man, you know, I look back at my childhood. I don't really think about my childhood much unless I'm speaking and I'm kind of using it as right, an example sure. or something. Sure. But, you know, I'm, okay, so I can go back to the fact that, that, you know, listening to my dad trying to kill my mother night after night after night. Or, or, or my dad coming in stealing every bit of food we had, every bit of money we had, and taking it to some whore across town. You know what I mean? Or uh, I, mean, I, I can just go down this list, him trying mm-hmm. to burn us all alive, and my mother having to fight him off to keep him from killing all of us. So, so you know, you, 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 when you got a past like that, if you're not careful, you can get where you're not really sensitive to other people's hurts. You know, and so I can remember like sitting in a counseling situation and having somebody that their whole life was devastated because when they were 10 years old, they didn't get a bicycle for Christmas. You know, you know I mean, it's like, so I knew then, I knew then my parents didn't love me. I knew, you know what I mean? I knew then, you know, that, that, that my feelings didn't matter. And suddenly their whole life is now, is, is now, revolving around and defined by the emotions that a 10 year old had when they didn't get a bicycle. And so I would sit at my desk sometimes and I would think you're the dumbest SOB I have ever met in my life. That's short old boys. What that means. And I I was just sitting there thinking, you are crazy. You are blowing up your entire life. You're blowing up your marriage. You're blowing up your relationship with your kids because you didn't get a bicycle when you were 10 years old. And so eventually I started saying, you know, I can't help people with those kinds of attitudes. I, I got to step away and, and see what God can do in my heart. And so, so uh, what, I, what the Lord taught me out of all that, and I did yeah. step away for, for a little over a year. Uh, but what I learned was this. The events that happen in our lives have nothing to do with how they affect us. It's the uh, the significance we attach to yes. those events, and the yeah. significance is based on judgment. Right. I was going to say because the you can have just as horrific feel. It, the, the event doesn't determine even the degree no. of what those feelings are. No. And and we can't measure events being worse or bad, even no. though we can look at them and have some ideas, no. but the significance can be just as serious or it can be less. You could actually have less serious effects from the extremely yeah. horrific things. It's just, it's just wild. There's no direct correlation between that. No. And, and so, but it, there, it is uh, all directed at judgment and the degree of judgment you put on right. that. And so the thing that I learned from that is yeah. it, it doesn't matter what happened to you. What matters is Will you forgive? Now, forgive right. doesn't mean I'm going to say it's all right. Forgive doesn't mean I justify them. Forgive doesn't mean I'm going to trustify, trust them. Doesn't mean I'm going to like them. It doesn't mean I want to fellowship with them. All forgive means is I'm going to send away the, these feelings of pain and suffering. That's yeah. it. Because the yeah. word forgive means send away. And so, you know, people come up with all these goofy reasons why they can't forgive, uh, mainly because religion has taught them those reasons. And, uh, and so most people actually never, never, never get, get past it. But so what happens then is we meditate on that past. We get in certain situations where we're triggered and we start thinking about that. And here's the crazy thing. And that is every time you 
remember something, you change the memory. You add new judgments to it. And so what happens is this thing can grow and grow and grow. You know, you can have, you can get molested when you're five years old. And when you're 85 years old, it's getting bigger. Now, now you feel like you've been gang raped. Now you feel, I mean, you know what I mean? It can go to anything because every time you, every time you remember something, it alters your experience. So that means the next time you remember it, you don't remember how it really happened. You remember how it made you feel the last time you thought about it. Wow. So it actually increases and grows and you give it more fuel, you give it more food, so to speak. So with that whole thing of not being able to forgive, I just want to go there for a second because we have these memories, but the the point is, will you forgive? Like we have to send away these feelings of pain. So what I have found that if, if someone um, just goes into their memory bank and remembers the memory and starts to remember, like really takes the courage to remember mm-hmm. the details of the memory, like just the colors and where you are, like just making it real, you know, mm-hmm. cause you can, you can give your memories a lot of detail if you want to. Yep. And, and, and we, and if that, if someone is hurting them in some way or they're experiencing some kind of pain, it doesn't even matter. Yep. I feel like when that person sees where Jesus is with them in that moment and, and, and allows and invites and receives Jesus in protecting them, being their shield, protecting them from the words or whatever, and loving them. And when they start to melt there in that memory with Jesus, loving them there, then they can forgive. I feel like there's just this release that happens because I am so loved. Now I can forgive, but in my own power, it's almost impossible to forgive until I've been really loved. Does that, I'm not presenting this as a fact. I'm just asking you, well, here's, what is here, your here, experience? Uh, this is my opinion. You know, when, I, when I hear about people doing that, yeah. you know, I, 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 in some ways I'm almost envious that they're able to get that kind of connection. Right. And so the thing we need to be sure and we make aware is that is yeah. not everybody's going to get that kind of connection. Some, no, 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 no. Some people, they can't. I mean, that is the, that's the ultimate. That's the ultimate really. connection. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But for, you know, for a lot of people, you know, for me, you know, I've always been a pragmatist, man. It's just like, yeah. let's get down to business. Let's make it happen. And so for me, it's just like, okay. Do, yeah. do, I, do I want to carry this around the rest of my life? Yeah. Do, do I want <laughs> yeah, to have exactly. this pain? It's like that strong choice. Yeah. yeah. It's like, so I'm done with this. And mm-hmm. so, so you got to go because I ain't doing that no more that, you know, and, yeah. and here's, here's, here's who I am. And so, you know, I think that there's a, I think mm. it can happen a thousand different ways. Yes, I do too. Uh, but the key thing is it, it doesn't have to happen the way it worked for just like it happened with me or just like it nope. happens with you. No. But we just have to realize it can happen, but I am the only one who has authority to make this happen. That's right. I am the only one that can mm-hmm. choose to send this away, to let mm-hmm. go of this judgment. I don't yeah. know why that person did what they no, did. No, there will never be an answer. There will never no. be an answer that'll satisfy, ever. I may if, think I know. You might think, but answers are actually yeah. are very futile at this point. But love is very important because if you're uh, loved, if, if you're feeling loved, then you can forgive. You know, and you've heard me share about this. Yeah, you know, I was fortunate enough to lead actually my whole family to the Lord. I led my, you know, my first person I ever led, first person I ever led to the Lord was my sister. Mm-hmm. I think the next person I led to the Lord was my mother, and then over the years, I finally led my dad and my stepdad, you know, to the Lord. Well, you know, my stepdad is the one that stabbed me and and, and planned to kill me, and um, so you know, after I got saved. I don't, and I don't think I knew this before I got saved, but after I got saved, 
I found out that when he was a kid, his father tried to kill him with an axe. And so, you know, I saw, even before I understood forgiveness and understood all these things, mm. I remember just thinking, well, no wonder he was crazy and mean. Right. I, you know, actually, I used to tell people, my life was easier to sort out than that person who didn't get a bicycle for Christmas. Because to them, it was all confusing. You know, mm. of course, they were, they were being selfish and self-centered. They were making yeah. it about, about them. But, you know, for me, I, I used to tell people, like, they, they would say, good grief. You know, how come you're not like a sociopath? I said, look, my life's not complicated. My life's real simple. These people hated me. I hated them. Yeah. I was, I was going to try to kill them. They were trying to kill me. Pretty simple. That was it. And so there was nothing complex about it. There was no hidden agendas anywhere. You know, there was, there was no sorting through why anybody did anything. Right. Uh, you know, the only thing I was ever dealing with is, is, okay, if we meet up, who walks away alive? And that was it. And, you know, I carried a weapon all the time. Actually, right. I carried, usually right. carried several weapons. Yeah. Because I knew at any given time I could just run into my dad, I could run into my stepdad, I could run into one of these people I was in conflict with. And I knew if I did... It was game on. It was going to be life or death, you know, for one of us. And so, so you know, it's not complicated when, when it's, uh, uh, you know, when it's overt. Mm-hmm. It's, right, it, what's right. What's complicated is when it's covert. Yes. And maybe that parent or maybe that other person has deep issues that mm-hmm. has nothing to do with you but affects how they treat you. Now that gets complicated, and you can't ever sort all that out. You got to, you just got to send it away. You know, again, you're not saying I'm going to trust them. No, you're not, no, you're not no, saying no. I'm going to be your buddy. You're not saying I'm going to give you another chance to hurt me. You're just saying I am sending away this pain because it's not bringing me anything. So all that, and I know people are going to be saying, well, "Wait a minute, I thought we were going to talk about creating new memories." Well, we are, but you, but you got to understand all this at first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so. A very interesting thing that God did with the children of Israel, and actually it's repeated in the New Testament, but the English translation sometimes makes it lose, you know, a, a, lot, of its, a lot of its clarity. But uh, in the, um, when, when the children of Israel, they were, they're, so they're coming out of Egypt, which is a type of, okay, you want to come out of the world. You want to come out of the world system. You want to stop thinking like the world. And so, so God says, basically what I'm going to do, I'm going to set up, I'm going to set up some things uh, that I want you to observe every year, and I want you to do them as a memorial. Now, in the Hebrew language, the terminology that describes all of the feasts is a terminology that says, I want you to look back at this, and I want you to remember this. I want you to remember the way I'm showing it to you. And then when you're walking through real life, I want you to be able to take this memory and look to the present or the future and realize that I'm the, see, this is where the scripture, I'm the same, Jesus Christ, same yesterday, today, and forever. People read that and it's sort of like, they just think that's a random thing that God stuck in to remind you that he never yeah. changes. Right, right, right. No, this is based on the fact that he gave us all of these sacrifices, feasts, or whatever, and and said, "I want you to I want you to remember them when you face future challenges because I've never right. changed." Right. Exactly. So exactly. As I over the years, as I have as I have studied the sacrifices, and I have I am telling you, I can't even I can't even tell you the hours I have put into studying the sacrifices. 
you know, Israel's journey out of, out of uh, Egypt and all that kind of stuff. And so there's a lot of things you realize about the sacrifices that if you don't realize them, you will never discover how easy it is to uh, write new things on your heart and, and, yeah. and for all practical purposes, create a new mm. past. Yes. And so, so first, the first thing you have to remember, the word sacrifice comes from the Hebrew word korban. Now, Corbin is really interesting, you know, because in a sacrifice, by the way, you, you, you burn something on an altar. Well, all that's left when you burn that is carbon. So you start mm. realizing where the word carbon came from. Oh, it, interesting. It, that's it, just interesting. Yeah, it, it, and, and that, <laughs> boy, that takes you in all kinds of scientific yeah. directions that you can go in. So <clears throat> now, when, when the sacrifices began uh, in the tabernacle, Mm-hmm. The first sacrifice was lit by the fire of God. And throughout all the history of the tabernacle uh, and the temple, they never used a new fire. It was always that same one that God had started from the yeah, beginning? Yeah, they, they always preserved that fire. And so every time they offered a sacrifice, they started the fire of the sacrifice from, from the, the fire that they had passed down, yeah. you know, for, for hundreds of years because it never went out. That's wild. Now, that brings you to a whole concept that, oh, man, we, we could spend weeks <laughs> or months on this. There is a concept in, in the Old Testament around the sacrifices. And uh, I'm going to say, what is it called? I, I'm sorry, I'm having one of my memory moments. Um, yeah. Uh, strange fire. I've never heard of strange fire. Look it up. You know, th- this is where this is where you have uh, uh, the children. Was it the children of Aaron? That time that they that they they lit a fire and they wanted to stop a plague that was happening. So they they lit a fire and and you know ran into you know the holy place of God or ran into the presence of God with a fire that they had started and they died because huh. because they had brought a strange fire before God. Ooh, okay. It wasn't the fire that God started. It was not the first one. Now, the word fire is represented in the Hebrew alphabet by the letter shin. Uh-huh. The letter shin it looks like a W with all three of the points going up evil, even. And, and little circles on the top of them, mm-hmm. and so remember, remember all of these all of these letters are word pictures to some degree, as well as well as letters, and they all have their own meaning. So the word shin, uh, which are the letters shin, which uh, uh, rep- can represent fire, and huh. and so if it represents fire, then the Hebrews also realized that that word had to do with passion. And, uh, and so when you realize that the holy fire that is supposed to consume the sacrifice that is brought should, if we are bringing it in faith, it will ignite in us passion. Hmm. Now, there's a second part to it because not only does that debut look like uh, flames of a fire flames, coming up. Yeah. 
it also looks like teeth. And so it presents the idea that what, what gives you passion about this sacrifice that you're bringing is the fact that you're chewing it up. You're yeah. meditating, you're pondering it. Yeah. And, so and you're it, hungry for it too. Like yeah. you're, that represents like passion with that makes I'm oh, yeah. hungry for this. So I'm just going to chew it up and yeah. And so, you know, the degree of thought, according to Jesus, the degree of thought, study, pondering, mm -hmm. meditation you give to the words you hear determines the life that comes back to you. So mm. the person that runs in out of, out of religious obligation, gives any kind of a sacrifice. The truth is they don't benefit anything from it. Hmm. As a matter of fact, they feel lost. They, they feel like, look, I just gave up, you know, I just gave up, you know, 10 hours of my work this week and, and, you know, just gave it away, you know, for nothing to keep God from killing me because I've got this religious view of God. Yeah. You know, I remember hearing a deacon in a church one time, his air conditioner went out and he had to get an air, you know, had to go get an air conditioner unit. And he said, so he was standing up sharing testimony. And he said, he said, you know, I realized when this happened that really God caused that to happen because I had stopped tithing. He said, he said, you know, I learned from that that God's going to get his money one way or another. <gasps> and, you know, my question to Whoa. him was, uh, my question was, was, well, so how did that money get to the kingdom of God. If when you, you paid, paid the it, air conditioner guy. Yeah, if you paid the air conditioner guy, God didn't get that money. Uh, but people think that way. I mean, people absolutely, absolutely. Oh. Think. So the person that just gives out of obligation, number one, they're not meditating on it. So life can't come back. Therefore, if life doesn't come back, they don't get passion. They don't have a fire of God that burns in them. And I'll tell you another little subtle place where I think about this. You know, um, um, I, I had someone as a good guy, you know, I like him, I enjoy him. And, uh, he was, he was actually, uh, I, I think, you know, I, I think he tries to help people. I'm out, you know, I don't, I don't have anything against this guy. So I don't want to say too much about him because I really don't want to identify him. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he, he used to always try to get me to do, uh, what they would do like at Tony Robbins events or like at other, at other, um, um, uh, Motivational. Motivational, thank yeah. you. At yeah. other motivational meetings. And he would talk about, man, getting people all jacked up and riled up and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, don't let them eat. And, and this, this will ride mm -hmm. on their heart. And I'm, I'm like, you know what? It might affect their emotions and it might even over time influence their heart. But it's not right in the word of God on their heart. Mm -mm, mm -mm, I can't mm -mm. get people to understand this. It's like getting jacked up or even meditating for a better outcome or something. That has... If that's not based on the finished work of Jesus, then mm. you have come before God with strange fire. Mm. Because the fire that the one offering that God accepted and accepts to this very day is the Lord Jesus Christ and yeah. what he did through his death, burial, and resurrection. Mm -hmm. so, so God lit the first fire. And so that that means in, in my understanding, or at least what it's what God speaks to me about it, is it no matter what I'm praying about, I need to always make myself conscious of the fact that I am basing this prayer and the expectation I have of experiencing this on the finished work of Jesus. And if I'm not doing that, that I'm leaving him out and I'm trying to create my own fire. I'm trying to create my own motivation. I'm trying to create my own passion and excitement. Well, I might do that, but it's strange fire. Interesting. This is a new concept for me. Yeah. That is very interesting. 
Well, I, I got to tell you, it took it took about twenty five years of pondering on this. To, yeah. So, <laughs> so if I'm sitting, if I'm drawing a blank, I'm kind of yeah. like, okay, I'm going to give it to you, yeah. Audrey. Like you're going to have to think of like, so like it's it, just it's just yeah. okay, okay. It, so this is challenging for any of the people that are listening. That's yeah. all right, I, you know, because again, yeah. And people think I'm not kidding when I say I'll pop, I'll meditate on something for fifteen or twenty eight. Yeah, no, no, years. no, no, no. Because you don't like it's not like I absolutely hear it and believe it. It's not about not about. Yeah. It's just more like I have to just let it sink in. Well, like that's actually to bring it to a finer point. Yes. You have to chew it. Oh. You have right. to consume it. Yes. It's got to become your flesh and your blood. It's yes. Gotta, it's, and this is it's what got to Jesus- become mine. It's no. got to become now your understanding. Now I, I get to have that. No. I am invited into that understanding now. Like, oh, this See, is when, good. when Jesus talked about you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now, the yeah. religious leaders didn't recognize what he was saying because they didn't want to. Yeah. <laughs> but I guarantee you this. Everybody there that actually had, you know, had studied the Torah knew what he was talking about. And this is what it refers to. Yeah, because they, they understood this concept. So, <clears throat> so the, bringing a sacrifice was Corbin. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the word Corbin basically, I guess in the simplest English concept, means to draw near. Mm. So it's absolutely essential that we realize that when we come to bring a sacrifice, no matter if it's a sacrifice of praise, oh. no matter if it's a, a, a love offering, no matter what it is, we are not trying to get God to come near to us. He never left. He never right. went away. We are, in fact, and the children of Israel are, in fact, and, and particularly if they were observing, you know, the uh, um, uh, the principle of strange fire uh, and, and that sort of thing, then they knew that they knew that this sacrifice was really more about uh, recovering the value that they had for God in their own heart. Mm. So if if you know if a if I were to just get thinking about you and Bob today, and me and Brenda, you know, we sit down here and we say, you know what? Let's send them a gift. Mm. You know, so we, we pick some gift and we mm. just send it to you. Now that, for us, that is an expression of value for you. Yes, yes. So when you express value for God, then what happens is he's already there. He never went. He never left you. But what happened is you left him. But now that you're expressing this value for him, this causes you to draw near. This causes the fire to light in you and causes the passion to come alive inside you. Wow. But if you think about it as an obligation, as you think about it, something you've got to do, or you think about it as trying to get him to come back, that is not what happens inside you. This is really, it's just coming full circle now because it, recovering the value that, you know, that, that drawing near, that sacrifice, yep. recovering the value that we have for God in our heart and then expressing that value. Yeah. That's when it all happens in that circle and then the fire comes alive, then the passion yep. comes alive. And it's all, I've never heard this definition of yep. sacrifice before. I really hadn't. I've, I've not fully understood sacrifice, so to speak. Yeah. From from the biblical point of view. But we always think of sacrifice, and we've been taught that sacrifice was about giving something up. 
Yes, right. And uh, again, if you think about it that way, instead of expressing the value. Expressing value, exactly. And remember, that's what love is. Love is about value. And so if you don't express value for people in your life, and you know, I I, I get, you don't want to, Jesus never told his disciples he loved them. Not one time. And, and so, you know, you look at that and you say, well, then how were they supposed to know? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. You know, I tell my wife and kids I love them. I tell my friends yeah. I love them. Yeah. But, but the point is, that's meaningless yes. if in my relationship to them, yeah. I am not doing things that express my value for them. And, and, and looking for nothing to come back, looking for no reward to come back. This is yeah. nothing, but I want you to know I value you. I want you to know, you know, we, me and Brenda care yeah. about you. Da, da, yeah. Da, da, da. yeah. So, so understanding all of this and, and choosing that this is going to be how you approach God. And in a few minutes, you're going to start understanding how you create, how you actually create some new memories mm. and create thereby create a new past. Uh, and I'm telling you, this is, this seems new agey, this seems flaky, this seems spacey, but I'm, I'm going to show you the biblical yeah. process for it. But you've got to understand, what, why do I bring offerings? Why mm-hmm. do I give? Yeah. Why do I tithe if I yeah. do? You know, or, yeah. you know, I have people all the time say, I, I don't believe in that tithe. I believe that's the Old Testament. Well, number one is there is no such thing as an Old Testament. Yes, there yeah. is. It says it right there in my Bible. Yeah. Uh, well, no, actually, that was that was written in there by some church leader right. that did not want you to know who God was, mm-hmm. and they they separate the Old and the New Testament so that they can take scriptures about Jesus that you can turn them into any kind of Gnostic, New Age, right. uh, socialist BS that will destroy your life. Mm-hmm. But if you have what we call the Old Testament, and that is your basis, that's the Word of God. That's what Paul, that's what Peter, that's what they all called it. They called it the Word of God. They didn't call it the Old mm-hmm. Testament. Mm-hmm. I, I, I tell you, I guarantee you this, all the apostles probably roll over in their grave when the letters that they w- wrote were called the New Testament and the Word of God was called the Old Testament because basically what you're saying is, see, that's over. People say, well, the Bible says, the New Testament says that that's over. No, the covenant is over. It's a different covenant, right? not the promises. All the promises, right. all of that mm-hmm. comes out of what they call the, the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, you know, we, we want you to understand this whole process about creating value mm-hmm. because where I'm going to take you and meditating next mm-hmm. week and writing mm-hmm. on your heart, mm-hmm. if you don't do it from a perspective of creating value for God, mm-hmm. then the real mm-hmm. truth is it's just going to be strange fire. It's going to be mm-hmm. a meditation exercise that may emotionally change. It can mm-hmm. even change your heart. But if your heart transformations are not based on the finished work of Jesus, then they're strange fire. Yeah. And just bringing it full circle to how we started today, just talking about sin and, and what the definition of sin is as you said, that's hearing something amiss. I think that we can just really bring how val- if I truly value his oh. words or value. Um, obviously, I can't remember every word that's ever been spoken to me. And if I don't do it, I'm hearing amiss. That's not what this is about. No. It's when you hear something in your heart, knowing 
this is something that was very specific and personal for me mm. today, or that I know that this mm. is valuable for me. So therefore it's valuable to God and it's valuable for my journey with him. Then I'm not going to hear a miss. I'm going to value yeah. this. So I just hear so much of that word value yeah. today, sort of string. Which is love. Which is love. Yeah. Which is love. If I value you, I'll love you. And if I love you, I value you. It's, yeah. it's all together. It's just a big continuum. And um, creating. But, you know, for when we don't, quote unquote, feel close to God, it just, when you define that word sacrifice, we don't have to do something to get him to draw near we just recover the value that we have. Yeah. And we and we even think back of all our memories that we have with God. I think that um, also last week you said faith doesn't happen just because you're confident. It's building a backlog of memories of, yeah. of all the times God met me here. I remember God when you met me here. I remember when yeah. you protected me here. I remember this. Like building that backlog of memories is yep. brings confident faith that, oh yeah, I want to bring, all, with my authority, I want to bring all of that back to the surface yep. and recover. Like I love that word, recover, the how much value I have for you, God, in yep. my heart. And yep. now I'm going to express that value to you. Yep. And then my passion will come alive. Like, you know, how do I get close to God? I can't get close to God. Yep. Well, there it is right there. You know, I used to tell people, we need to close on this. I, I okay. won't go too long, but yeah. But, but you know, I used to start with my pastor at church. You know, people people would come to me and they would always do that thing. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I said, well, here, uh, I, you know, I, I realized that some you, the people we minister to here through this, through this, yeah, these are people that have been making a journey. Yeah, we can, can kind of cut to the bottom yeah. on some stuff and make it. Just right. a, here, here it is. But right. you know, when when you're ministering to somebody that that man, they they. You know, they really have never read the Bible. They don't, you know what I mean? They just have. Yeah. So, so you got to kind of start with where they are. So the big thing that I used to tell people is this. What do you like to do? Mm -hmm. I don't care what it is. T tell me what, you're, what you like to do that you're good at. Yeah. And, and, and it know, throws them off. I'm like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Yeah. No, no, no. It's a very simple question. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, yeah I, I would have to wrestle them down sometimes, you know, <laughs> to get them out of the, out of the, uh, hillbilly holy of holies right and uh <laughs> you know be like what do you mean well do you like working on a car no yeah do you like uh do you like doing you know building no do you like working in the yard yeah i really okay. like that that's okay so here here's what you do this is something that you're good at so I want you to look around and, and, you know, I want you to be wise about this. I would explain to them about codependency and helping mm -hmm. people, you know, that wouldn't help themselves, all that kind of stuff, and kind of gave them some biblical parameters. So I said, so what I want you to do is I want you to find somebody that fits the biblical model of people you should help. Mm. And then I want you to take whatever it is you're good at, whatever you enjoy, and you know, you got to pray this over and you got to decide why you're really doing this. You're not trying to get mm -hmm. God to do anything. You're not trying to get them to do anything. You're just saying, I'm good at this. I enjoy doing this. This will be a blessing to you. So be because Jesus died for you, I got value for you. I, you know, I don't know mm -hmm. you, but because Jesus mm -hmm. died for you, that, that's enough. And so go find some widow somewhere. Yeah. And mow her yard every week. Yeah. And they're like, yeah. well, that, that's not spiritual. I said, well, no. What makes you spiritual is not the task, it's what it is in your heart. Yeah. And it was amazing how when people would start expressing value for others, mm -hmm. then 
the desire to win people to the Lord, the desire to lay hands on sick, all of those other things would come mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. they would just start expressing value and kindness to people by serving others. Value and kindness for others, expressing value. Wow, this is really good. I love how it came full circle. I mm-hmm. love that. All right, Jim. Well, next week, what do you what do you want to do next week? Well, we're going to, we're going to continue. We're going to take this concept and build on it about how that you create new memories. You choose those memories, and you you replace your other memories with these. Yeah, thanks so much, Jim. Like I've really enjoyed this today. It's you know we love when Bob's with us, and yep. we, he misses you. He sends his love to you guys. Um, he'll be here back soon. But I just wanted to say thanks for joining us today. We love you and love doing the journey with you. And we'll see you next time. Bye bye. Absolutely.